The scripture this morning comes from Lamentations chapter 4. How the gold has grown dim, how the pure gold is changed, the holy stones lie scattered at the head of every street. The precious sons of Zion, worth their weight in fine gold, how they are regarded as earthen pots, the work of a potter's hands. Even jackals offer the breast, They nurse their young, but the daughter of my people has become cruel like the ostriches in the wilderness. The tongue of the nursing infant sticks to the roof of its mouth for thirst. The children beg for food, but no one gives to them. Those who once feasted on delicacies perish in the streets. Those who were brought up in purple embrace ash heaps. For the chastisement of the daughter of my people has been greater than the punishment of Sodom, which was overthrown in a moment, and no hands were wrung for her. This was for the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests, who shed in the midst of her the blood of the righteous. They wandered blind through the streets. They were so defiled with blood that no one was able to touch their garments. Away, unclean! People cried at them, away, away, do not touch. So they became fugitives and wanderers, people said among the nations, they shall stay with us no longer. The Lord himself has scattered them. He will regard them no more. No honor was shown to the priests, no favor to the elders. The punishment of your iniquity, O daughter of Zion, is accomplished. He will keep you in exile no longer, but your iniquity, O daughter of Edom, he will punish. He will uncover your sins. This is the word of our Lord. I'm going to pray for us in just a moment, but this morning we we have a treat with us. This morning we have Neil Gilmore bringing the word to us. Neil has been a friend to New City Church from before we even began. He was a professor at the seminary that Ryan and I attended. He has been of great influence to us as we have shaped the philosophy behind what we're doing here. And he is a man who loves Jesus and knows what it means to lament and to rely on God. And so we're grateful to him this morning. Uh, So please join with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you for uh, the truth of it. Lord, I thank you that though it's hard uh, for us to, to hear about things like starving children, even though it's tough for us to hear about uh, destruction and suffering, uh, Lord, I, I thank you that uh, you are always real with us, that you show to us time and time again that you are a man of sorrows, that you are acquainted with suffering that uh, you have endured trials and tribulations and temptations, and that we don't have a God who does not know what we are going through. So, Lord, this morning as Neil preaches, I pray that uh, you would uh, lessen his own voice and magnify your own. I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, and that we would leave from this place transformed by your Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brandon, thank you for those um, 
kind words. It's always a, a pleasure uh, an honor to be invited to preach. Uh, it's especially an honor to be invited to preach at New City. Uh, for my wife, Nancy, and ourselves, we, we speak and preach in other places, but this is the place we call hope. And this is the place where we enjoy fellowship with you. We've enjoyed some of you in our home. And this morning, I want to thank the pastor, Pastor Ryan, and the elders for this opportunity uh, to preach and to share God's Word with you. On the way over from Swanee this morning, we passed a number of uh, small retail stores, and a number of them, at least four, were inviting me to come and to buy gas at a price lower than if I used my credit card. Now, you realize that they do that because for a small business, expenses are a big deal. If I charge it on my credit card, they're going to lose 5, 6, 7 percent. It becomes a, an additional overhead expense. And so they want to encourage us to pay by cash. Now, the small retail stores have a problem when we pay by cash. That looks like a $20 bill. Maybe it is a $20 bill. But when they receive cash, they have the problem of knowing is this real? Or is this counterfeit? Is this the genuine deal printed, published by the Federal Reserve? Or has this come out of a, a back room, some sneaky publishing center somewhere that folks are producing counterfeit notes? And you don't want to produce 50s or 100s because that's, that's a bad sign. 10s and 20s are the favorite denomination. Uh, the purpose of the counterfeit is to deceive. So the retailer is going to figure out, how do, I, how do I figure out? Is it good? Is it bad? Do I do the, the field test? Do I do the, the eye test and see if there's a watermark? Do I give it the smell test? How do I figure it out? Well, this is, this is the deal that most small retailers will have by every cash register. This is the lie detector. It's called the counterfeit detector. And they can take this pen and they can stroke across the denomination note. And if that stroke turns up brown, it's good. If it turns up black, it really is fake and counterfeit. Now, when you read Lamentations, one of the things you're reading, and there's many things that we read there, but one of the things that you read is deception. I think Jeremiah wrote Lamentations. There are a number of commentators who say, no, we don't know, we can't tell. I think the vocabulary and the style, the weeping, the grieving, the sorrowing, is all about Jeremiah. And he writes in Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 14, the prophets have seen for you false and deceptive visions. In Jeremiah 29, 8, he says, The Lord of hosts says, Do not let your prophets deceive you. Now, I want to invite you to put your BT hat on. BT means biblical theology. A biblical theologian takes all of Scripture 
and says, this is one great and glorious story and message. It starts as a seed, becomes a, a sprout, then a sapling, and we get the revelation it's a glorious tree. And so we put our BT hat on and we say, deception, deception. Where's it coming from? What's the deal with deception? And so in the garden, the Lord is interviewing Eve after they've sinned. And she says, well, Lord, the devil, the serpent, deceived me. That's the work of the devil. That's his goal. That's his purpose, to deceive. To deceive the believer, to deceive the unbeliever. And sometimes he comes through the prophets, deceives, through the priests and deceives, and through the preachers and deceives. We're fortunate and we're blessed at New City that we have a pastor, Pastor Brandon, Pastor Ryan, Pastor Patrick. We've got elders, all men whose devotion and commitment is to the Scripture. But friends, there are many places in these United States this morning where deception is being preached. There are many places in Europe and in my Ireland where I come from and in Presbyterian churches in Ireland, which ones were great, where it is deception that is being taught. And so I want to take those words of the Lord through Jeremiah. Do not be deceived. And make those my thrust this morning. Three simple points. Number one, do not be deceived. His day, His day is coming. In 526, Jeremiah cries out, looking at Jerusalem, the shredded gates, the broken walls, the burned-out houses, the awful shredding of blood, the bodies of men, of women, of children, the raping of young girls, the carrying off into exile the best, the strongest, into the, the far corners of the Babylonian Empire. Jeremiah laments and says, this is the day of his anger. Josiah was the last good king of the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom, rather, of Judah. And he died in battle. Jeremiah composed a lament. You find it in 2 Chronicles chapter 35. The lament was for Josiah, a good king. But the lament, surprisingly, intriguingly, was for much more. The lament was for the decline of Judah. And it was for the destruction of Judah and of Jerusalem. Back in 640, the prophet Zephaniah went to Judah. In 114, he proclaims, This is the great day of the Lord. The great day is near. It is a day of wrath, of ruin, of devastation. 700 BC, Isaiah is speaking to the northern and to the southern kingdom. In chapter 63, he says, I come in crimson garments with lifeblood scattered on my garments. And Isaiah says, what day? What day? What day is this? 
It is the day of vengeance. And Isaiah wrote and spoke those words in a day of comparative stability and affluence. In 780 B.C., Amos spoke to Uzziah, king of Judah, to Jeroboam, king of the northern kingdom, say, woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. And from 798 back to 824, Elijah and Elisha spoke again and again and again, warning of his day coming. From 931 B.C., when the kingdom was divided, to 722 B.C., when the northern kingdom was captured by the Assyrian army, to 586, when Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians, the Lord spoke again and again and again and again. Warning, my day, my day, his day, his day is coming. But there's more. Israel and Judah both knew, both knew from way back at least to 1100 B.C. that his day would come and it would not be pretty. Deuteronomy 27, coming to the end of the life and the ministry of Moses. And he says, the Lord says that when you go in to the land, you will find two small mounts, the mount of Gerizim, the mount of Ebal. Below them is a valley, and those two mounts create that valley to be an amphitheater. I want some of you priests to go up on the Gerizim and plaster it and write on it these words of blessing. I want some of you priests to go up onto Ebal and plaster it and write on the plaster these words of curse. Then I want representatives from six of the tribes to go up on Gerizim and call out the blessings. And six representatives of the other tribes to go up onto Ebal and call out the curses. In Deuteronomy 28, Moses continues listing the curses. He says there, if you do not obey, they will go into captivity. That's way back in 1100 B.C., maybe even earlier. Verse 62, it says, you were as numerous as the stars of heaven, the promise to Abraham. He says, but you will become scattered, and you will be few in numbers. The Lord did not come in immediate judgment. The Lord was patient for 400 years plus. He was patient. And again and again, he sent messengers, ambassadors, spokespersons to plead with the people to turn. Hosea spoke to the northern kingdom in 700 B.C. He said, Israel, the Lord has given you a choice. 
chapter 5, verse 12, he said, I will be like a moth. I will be like a moth. You know what a moth is? That's like a butterfly. Can you imagine your son has been naughty? So naughty that you think he needs a little physical discipline. And you say, come here, John. I'm going to spank you with a butterfly. That doesn't even have the impact of a fly swatter. I mean, it certainly doesn't do what Charles Barkley said uh, Auburn did to North Carolina the other night. He said that they took them to the woodshed. The Lord says, we won't talk about Kentucky today. But they do play Auburn. <laughs> We're not kind. It's just Israel. You have a choice. The Lord's willing with quiet, slow, tender discipline to draw you back like He would with a moth spanking you. Or He says in verse 14 of chapter 5, or I will be like a lion. You know what lions do? They tear, they rip, they ravage, they devour. Unfortunately, the northern kingdom and then the southern kingdom chose the lion. But this is not just a day of the Lord for Israel and Judah and for the people of God and for the church is for much more. There was a day when the Lord looked at the earth and it was so full of wickedness. The thoughts of man were only always evil. He drew a line. He went to Noah. He said, Noah, Enough, 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 enough. I want you to be my evangelist. I want you to be my missionary. I want you to go into the world and speak and speak and speak and warn and warn and warn. My day is coming. It will be devastation. It will be ruin. It will be rot, wrath, and it will be death. Now I want you to build a boat, a huge boat, and I want to invite the world, those who will believe, who will turn, to climb into that boat of rescue. And you know what happened. The day of the Lord brought that devastation and death to multitudes. It was an eschatological day. That means the last day. Your last day is death. Death means that your physical body comes to an end. That's not the end. You're not just body. Your soul also. And when that physical body ends, 
when life on this earth terminates, then your soul will stand in the presence of him for whom his day for you has come. What will he say? About 10 days ago, I was involved in an awful, awful crash. I turned in my little Camry on a green light. But a young man in a black Jeep chose to try to do what many Atlantans do, make it through the red. I didn't see him until the last minute, the last instance. I couldn't break, I couldn't swerve, I couldn't avoid. And he slammed, crashed, banged into me, and he hit me so hard, he spun me 100 degrees. And inside that car, even though I had my seatbelt on, I am bumping and jumping and grinding. My sunglasses flew off. When the dust settled, I tried to open the driver's door, but I couldn't. I couldn't. And for the longest time, I'm pushing and shoving and groaning and moaning until finally I got it open ajar enough to squeeze my way out of there. And I walked around to the front. I bought this car new 21 years ago. I took care of this baby. The front of that Camry was squashed. It was crushed. The grill was hanging off. The lights were smashed. He hit the, hit the car so hard that the hood was bent and buckled, and everything was pushed my way towards the driver. As I stood there, trembling, I remembered that I had almost a full tank of gas. And then I remembered the day before that on the interstate in Atlanta, there had been a horrific crash, and a car had imploded and exploded, and became a burning heap of death. And I realized that could have been me that day. And I realized in that burning furnace that I was trapped in, those could have been my last earthly moments. And then my spirit would have risen to meet him. I'm standing here this morning as the representative of Jeremiah's elder brother, Jesus, and as the representative of Noah's elder brother, Jesus. And I want to say to you, do not be deceived. His day is coming. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Someone or ones here this morning 
are not ready. Are not prepared. And I'm here on his behalf calling, urging, pleading, get into the ark of his salvation rescue. Place your hope, your trust in Jesus Christ. Don't be, do not be deceived. Backsliding is dangerous. Backsliding is dangerous. Nancy and I had dinner with two very dear friends Friday night. And in part of the discussion, they wanted to know, are you preaching? And I said, yes. What? Where? When? Why? And as we talked about that, I, I shared this point of black sliding. And Mark, who's a man of about 50, said, Neil, backsliding. What is backsliding? The word was foreign to him. And I realized, well, maybe the Pastor Ryan's folks, that's, that's a strange word also. That's almost like talking in Irish. Let me give you a word picture. In my hometown in our North Ireland, there's a place in the southeast of the town, and today we would call it a green space. It's got a beautiful iron fence. It's got two gates. They're open at dawn and closed at dusk. And inside, there's a series of beautiful manicured green lawns, beautiful flower beds. There's paved walkways through the park. There's benches to sit on. <clears throat> and every day, no matter what year, day of the year, you'll see retirees. In Ireland, we call them old-age pensioners. They'll be walking. They'll be sitting on the benches. They'll be talking about the good old days, and, and they'll be tut-tutting what you folks are doing. And on the eastern side, there's a privet hedge, three feet tall. Inside that is the playground. There's lots of large toys in there, all made of metal. Swing set, maypole, roundabout, rocking horse. A big sand pit for the little ones to dig and play and build. A green for the older boys to play their soccer. And then there's a the favorite of my boys when we were growing up, the giant slide. Steel, metal. Walkway up the back, a large dipping slide with a steep slide down. Shiny, slippery. We would rush up the steps, fly down the slide, run around, do it all again, run around, do it all again. But you know, boys get bored after a while. So what do you do then? Well, then the slide of fun becomes a slide of challenge. You try to climb up it backwards. Now, the sides are shallow. There's not much to grip on. And the shiny surface is very slippery. Few of any ever reached the top. Metaphorically, think of the top as being the place where you're closest to the Lord. It's the place where you spend time in His presence. It's the place where you spend time in prayer with Him. The place where you spend time 
reading and reflecting on His Word. A place where you ask Him, how does this apply to my life? How does this apply to me as a father, as a husband, as an employee, as a carpenter, as an electrician, as a business owner? Now, when you start to slide down that slide in backsliding, you begin to spend fewer times with Him. You begin to spend less time in His Word. And the influence of the world and its thinking begins to impact. And if you continue on that slide, the impact becomes influence. And if you continue on that slide, the influence becomes invasion. And you become like my younger friend, Jack. He grew up in a dysfunctional family. And years ago, he came to Christ through my ministry. Became an eager member of the youth, became a leader, a discipler, went to Covenant College, came back home, got a job, got a wife, got two kids. And slowly, his time for the Lord began to lessen. He began to spend more time in the career than in Christ. He began to spend Sundays recovering. He went missing in worship. Mitchell Fenn called me and said, Neil, <clears throat> you need to talk to Jack. And so over a six-month period, I did multiple times. He was in denial, then defensive, then derisive. And I realized I have to leave Jack alone, and I need to pray for Jack. Six months ago, a mutual friend, who's <clears throat> also a client, we were talking. I said, Tom, you ever seen Jack? He said, you know, three months ago, I met and we talked. And he told me he, he realized that he's been out of it. And for the sake of his children, he needs to get his children into church. I'm praying he does that. I'm praying that he's touched by God's Word again. But I want to say to you, and some of you in here are backsliding, and you know that. You know that you're not spending time with him like you once did. And maybe the only time you get your electronic device open and look at Scripture is right now this morning. And you know that's not right. You have a yard or branded perennials. You don't water and nurture them. They die. Lamentations 4 describes what happens to backsliding. These are the awful consequences of backsliding out of his presence. In verse 4, the children beg for food, but there's no one to give them any. 
verse 8, the skin of the princes, that's the leaders, shriveled on their bones. Think Holocaust victims. In verse 11, the Lord poured out his hot anger. Verse 16, the Lord, it says the Lord scattered them, but the, the Hebrew says the Lord's face scattered them. In other words, the Lord looked them eyeball to eyeball and said, enough, enough, you're out of here. Verse 18, he cries out, our end draws near. Our days were numbered. In Numbers chapter 1, Moses authorizes a census. And this is the, the people that have been rescued and delivered from Egypt. We're back somewhere around about 1000 B.C. A census of the fighting men, 603,550. Then in Numbers chapter 3, we're told about the Levites, who were not numbered as fighting men. There was 2,200 of them. So that makes for a total of 605,750. And ladies, forgive me, they weren't counted in that. So let's assume they all were married men. Now we've got 1.2 million. 1.2 million stars as many as in the heavens. And then comes 400 years later, the Assyrian captivity, the Babylonian captivity. They're in exile, and the Persian king Cyrus permits those who desire to go back. And in chapter 2 of Ezra, they take a census. The whole assembly, the whole assembly, men, women, boys, girls, numbers, 42,360. They've got some servants, 7,337. And there's some male and female singers for worship. There's 200 of those. That makes for a total assembly of 42,987. That's 3% of those that were rescued out of Egypt. What happened to the 97%? You know, judgment, awful, devastation. The Lord of the covenant holds his people responsible. He gives them the choice, I'll come like a moth. Or if your defiance and disobedience continued, then yes, I will use the Assyrians and the Babylonians to be my lion. 25 years ago, I went through a spell of backsliding in my own life. On the outside, everything looked wonderful. The Lord had grown a congregation under my leadership from under 200 to over 800. Along the way, I'd been able to take part of our numbers three times and plant three other churches within 35 miles radius. We were sending 70 folks a year out in short-term missions. According to MTW, Mission to the World, we had the highest per capita giving to missions 
in the whole of our denomination. We were a model for church growth. We were a model for missions support. On the outside, it looked beautiful. But on the inside, inside me, it was not so beautiful. I knew that darkness had begun to ebb its way into my heart. I knew that the corridors of my heart, the spiritual heart, had become cold and dark. And I knew there were things in my life that were not pleasing and things that I was not dealing with. And I finally reached a place where I knew what I had to do. I had to step away. I had to leave ministry. I had to seek to get straight with him. I went from overemployment in the limelight to a dark, desolate valley. I went from overemployment first to non-employment and then to underemployment. Two friends realized that I had tried and tried and tried and I just couldn't get a job, just a job. No one wanted to employ me. And so they said, Neil, come. We'll create a job for you. I, the job they created for me was selling. Listen carefully. Selling used pagers. Now, used car salesmen are up here. Used pager salesmen are down there somewhere. <clears throat> At one point, I cried out to the Lord, and I said, Lord, how low must I go? It was a dark, desolate valley. My wife was gracious, and she walked through that valley with me. Well, she walked, and a lot of the times I was stumbling and staggering. Beyond that valley, there was another valley, a valley where the sky was blue, the sun was shining, the birds were singing, and the hills were clapping in joy. But it was a valley I couldn't reach until a friend of many years came and put his arm under mine and said, Neil, come on. It's time for discovery. It's time to discover new things about God's amazing grace. There are some of you here, and you may not have backslid as far as I did, but you know, you know that there is some stage of backsliding that you're in. And I'm here to tell you, on his behalf, 
It is dangerous. Do not be deceived. Finally, do not be deceived. The Lord's anointed is your only hope. The Lord's anointed is your only hope. Jeremiah 4.22, Jeremiah cries out amazingly, the punishment of your iniquity is accomplished. The accomplishment of your iniquity is fulfilled, completed. Now, there's three words in the Hebrew for sin. The first word is the word hata. Your pastor loves that word. It's used by archers. They shoot their arrows and they miss. And the word describes that missing the mark, hata. This is a master archer over here. There's another word in Hebrew for sinners, the word for transgression. There's a line the Lord draws. You put your foot on it, you say, ah, no, I'm going trans, across, in defiance. But the word that's used here is the word iniquity. It means wickedness, vile wickedness. It means heinous sin. Jeremiah says, <clears throat> your iniquities are completed. How could that be? Well, Jeremiah looks at the ruins. He looks at the plumes of smoke that are still whirling up. He looks at the, the rocks of the walls that are lying scattered. He looks at the devastation of dead bodies. He thinks of, of those that have been carried off. Yes, everything God said in Deuteronomy 27 and 28 has been fulfilled. There are two dimensions to the consequences of our iniquities. One is temporal. Israel and Judah went through that. I went through it in my personal life. But there also is an eternal. There also is an eternal. You see, if I had been burned in that, that awful car accident, my soul would have stood before him. He would have looked at me and he would call me either goat or sheep. Goat, you go that way. You go through that door. The name above the door is awful, eternal darkness and suffering and sorrow. That's where goats go. Those who do not trust and hope in Jesus. The sheep go through this door. And above it says, the doorway of eternal bliss and joy in the presence of the Father forever and ever. In my dark valley, the Lord did not desert me, but he did deal with me. His voice called out to me, Neil, come back. Come home. The door is open. Neil, I stand with my arms open wide, ready to embrace you. 
ready to give you my love, my mercy, my grace. Kneel, look on him, the Savior. Kneel, listen to the words of the prophet. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Surely he has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for, get it, our iniquities. Neil, look, 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 hear, hear, believe, believe. For you, for you. And on that cross, he lamented for my life and my sins. Look, Neil, look at that hill, Golgotha. There are three crosses. On one hangs Jesus. But on either side, there are two other men. In the Roman world of justice, the death penalty, the punishment hung on a tree, that's the worst. That's the scum of the earth. Listen, Neil, listen to them. They revile, they curse, they swear, they yell at Jesus. Until midway through that afternoon, finally one realizes, I have only one hope. There is only one way I can know forgiveness for all of the multitude of my awful actions. Listen, Neil. And he turned to Jesus. He said, Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. Neil, listen to the Savior as he speaks to that dirty, rotten, woeful sinner. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Neil, that's you. Neil, look at that prodigal. He took all that the Father gave him. He spent it. He wasted it. And then one day he said, you know what? I'll go back to my dad. I'll see if he won't take me on as a hired helper, not even a son. Neil, look. The father's looking down that long, dusty path. He sees his son. He knows how his son walked. He recognizes him. And what does the father do? He feels compassion, splankta. And he runs down that dusty road. And he grabs that son. And he hugs him and kisses him. Neil, that's me. And that's you. Your iniquity has ended. It has been laid upon him. And all of the curses and judgment that you deserved, he has taken. My friends, I stand here as the ambassador of Jesus Christ. 
I stand here as the representative of the Father of all mercy. And I say, do not be deceived. His day is coming in your life. Backsliding is dangerous, even for your eternal security. Your only hope is the Lord's anointing, Jesus Christ. Pastor Ryan, would you pray for us? Father, we, we come before you and, and do acknowledge these heavy truths that confront us all, that we all have to do something uh, with the, the day of, of judgment against our iniquity. But God, you have provided, as Neil preached, an ark of rescue, a place of reprieve from the storm and the consequences of everything we've gotten ourselves into. And Lord, we're so thankful for Jesus who's rescued us, who's given us life, who's given us hope, and who meets us. And may we remember everything that Jesus brings to us. But Father, may we also be confronted with how we handle and address the pain of sin in our own lives. As we pray to meet us in this time, in Jesus' name, amen.